Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today moved to the United States over 10 years ago, and before becoming a mom, she worked in the film industry as an actor and producer. After moving to Los Angeles, she had her first baby, but the birth was not according to plan. And now she's pregnant and expecting her second baby any day. Anastasia Rule, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dr. Berlin. Hi, it's great to talk to you. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? I am originally from Belarus, which is a small country in Europe right next to Russia. And when did you come to the United States? Uh, first time I came in 2009 to explore and travel, and I liked it a lot, so I came back and moved in 2010, a year later. Wow. Do you have any family here at all? I have a cousin here in Los Angeles, and that's about it. Wow. So that's a big move on your own. Yeah, it was. <laughs> all right. I mean, your career is interesting, but today we're here really to talk about your pregnancy and birth experience and your current pregnancy and what you're planning for birth number two. So how was your first pregnancy? How were the different trimesters for you? My first pregnancy was ecstatic. It was very happy, healthy, easy going, and just wonderful. And in the moment, I was thinking, oh, wow, this is what being pregnant feels like. I actually really like it. I had a lot of time to devote to myself and my health and take walks on the beach and meditate and do yoga. Are you a health person pre-pregnancy? Yes, I was. I feel like I've been pretty healthy all my life. In fact, I have never really taken any medicine or been to hospital. What kind of things, growing up in Belarus, what kind of things did you do to maintain your health, natural things? Well, first of all, my family always grew their own food in the garden. Oh, wow. Uh, so we ate organic, pretty much freshly picked from right around the corner in your own yard. And just sports activities. I used to be a gymnast for about 13 years. So no health issues of any kind of whatsoever. I imagine a lot of exercise when you're doing gymnastics. 
Yeah. Plus, I lived in a small town where people walk everywhere. <laughs> Having a car is great, but it's more like for vacation, really. You just take a walk to a store, to the market, to meet your friends, to a cafe, to the main square, the castle. We actually have castle ruins in my hometown. Wow. Uh, so definitely lots of exercises. It's not a problem at all. So it kind of comes naturally. With your pregnancy, did you pre-plan what you would do for maintaining your health during pregnancy? Yeah, I just figured I'll do the same thing I've always been doing, except maybe avoiding certain foods. I stopped drinking coffee. I stopped taking certain herbs or using essential oils that would maybe trigger early contractions. But that's about it. I'm not a meat eater. I do eat seafood. So I feel like my diet stayed the same throughout the pregnancy and the weight gain was normal. I literally just had my belly in front of me, which was huge, but <laughs> just the belly. <laughs> but you have a lot of energy. Did you have that energy also during your first pregnancy? The first trimester was a little bit sleepy and a crazy thing happened. Well, I got pregnant in New Orleans where I lived for about seven, eight years and after that happened, my partner and I decided to move to Los Angeles to be closer to his family. So the first trimester was a little bit tricky. We were literally selling everything, packing and getting ready to move and then moving across the country for five days was a little bit intense. I never had just a lot in my first pregnancy or anything like that, but it was definitely challenging to drive eight hours a day. <laughs> Oh, I feeling old, yeah, super tired and exhausted and just wanting to go to bed. So um, no nausea and vomiting? No, nothing like that. It was a super healthy pregnancy. Just more fatigue. It was amazing. Yeah, I think so, which is probably normal. I did feel a lot of endorphins as well throughout the whole pregnancy. I literally felt a little bit high on oxytocin. Oh, wow. Even, even just during pregnancy. What was your plan? Did you have a plan for childbirth? Yes. So when we came to Los Angeles, we actually went to Belarus for a little bit. So by the time we came back to Los Angeles and the fires were over and I was settled more or less, we decided to hire a midwife. And I was already five or six months pregnant. So it's a little bit later into the pregnancy. But we knew certainly that we would like a home birth. That just felt so right for me and my partner because I was low risk. I had no health issues and I just felt like this is what I want and this is what I should do. It felt right. Although my family and his family did not support us in that decision at all. So we kind of had secret meetings with the midwife. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, did you have any concerns about home birth or only your family did? Only my family and his family. I actually went to that level of confidence that I didn't even want a midwife. I was so certain it could be just me and my partner in a quiet, loving space, just being all relaxed and calm. But Having a midwife was reassuring. It kind of gave you that little plan B at the back of your mind. But I did not have any concerns. I was just 
so positive and confident. I was impressed with myself that I had zero fear because as a first-time mom, a lot of women are scared to go into birth. Did you have previous exposure to birth, to childbirth? Have you seen people give birth or been around birth? Only one in New Orleans. I was in the waiting room when my friend was having a baby. And I was allowed to come in right after she delivered. Mm-hmm. But I was never present at birth. I never witnessed it. And maybe I was living in a little bit of a fantasy world. <laughs> but I was also using my instincts. I feel like my intuition was always strong, especially during pregnancy. That when people look at me like, you're crazy to have a home birth. I thought that it was normal. It was right. <laughs> All right, so you're pregnant with your first baby. You're feeling strong, energetic, almost a little high on the oxytocin. You know that you want to give birth at home with your partner and decide to hire a midwife as well. Was there anybody else scheduled to come to the birth? No, but we did have a difficult situation at the moment since we just moved to Los Angeles. My partner and I stayed with his mom for about six months. So pretty much we were always on the lookout for a house and it just didn't happen <laughs> before birth. So at the last minute I was realizing, okay, I am going to have my baby in someone else's place. Pretty much we were looking for a space of love to create a home right before birth and it didn't happen on time. So I think this is where... Everything started going down the hill. <laughs> okay, so you're planning to um, f- find your own place, but you're still living with your mother-in-law. Yeah, well, we were in constant search, and we did not find it on time. So at the end of your so, pregnancy, yeah, I, I just, you're still living with your mother-in-law, but planning a home birth at her house? Exactly. And she wasn't a fan of home birth? Exactly. All right, um, let's take a little break, and when we come back, <laughs> We'll find out how your labor went. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike. Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Anastasia Rule, and in our story, you're planning a home birth, but you're living with your mother-in-law, who's not really into home birth, and you were not able to find your own place in time for the birth. Okay, how does your labor start? Well, any birth practitioner would double question what happened, but I believe I was in labor for two weeks, and I felt like I was literally trying to keep the baby in my womb for the time for my mother-in-law to leave for Europe so we can have some space in her place. So I would have contractions slowly increasing over the course of two weeks to the point that one morning my water started breaking at 6 a.m. And this is when the midwife came over, checked my blood pressure. I was low as always. She just told me to rest, trying to sleep. And we labored like that at home for 24 hours, slowly progressing, very calm. When you say (laughs) you had like early labor for two weeks, where in relation to your due date did that start? So I was about 38 weeks pregnant when I started feeling pressure and slowly increasing contraction over the course of two weeks. My baby always measured a week ahead. He was bigger. So I did not have any concerns that he would be premature or small. So pretty much any time at that point would be okay, except I feel like I tried to keep him in my womb just to wait for my mother-in-law to leave for Europe so we can have some space in the house. And then uh, did she already leave when your water broke? Yes. She was already okay. gone when that started happening. And then things picked up after your water broke? Yes. My partner and I labored at home for about 24 hours. And it was pretty calm. But I wouldn't say it was so much relaxing because I constantly felt a little bit of anxiety. Just somehow sensing that it's not my safe place. I just didn't see that house as my home birth place. So to be honest, I was a little bit like a scared animal trying to find a corner. You know, like when cats have their kittens, they just go to the darkest corner where no one can find them and they stay there. And I could not find such a corner for myself. Uh, I tried everything, bedroom, couch, bathroom. So I feel like things were progressing, but maybe slowly, not as fast as I would like them to be. So after 24 hours of laboring at home like that, my baby passed meconium, and it wasn't just a little bit of meconium. It was like pea soup. And I texted the picture to the midwife, and she said, okay, we'll meet you at the hospital. This is when just a bell ring in my head, like, oh, my God, I'm going to the hospital. <laughs> I have not even packed a bag, and I was so certain I could do this at home. But it was shocking, but, of course, we went because... We can risk our baby's life. I think I should mention that I also didn't sleep for three days and three nights prior because the contractions were so intense by that point. And when we were leaving for hospital, I started feeling a lot of pressure and what people call back pain. I don't like the word pain because it wasn't really painful for me at any point in my labor, but I did feel a lot of pressure which was probably a posterior position that my baby took trying to descend. Did you determine later that the baby was posterior? Yes. 
Oh, another question I have for you is, did you have an established backup doctor or did you just go to the hospital and, you know, whoever was there was going to deliver with you? I was pre-registered at UCLA Santa Monica. I did not have a relationship with any other doctors because I was so fresh to the city and I just had a midwife and I was under her care. So it was whoever was working at that time. On call, yes. And actually, I was admitted to the midwife unit, which was better. (laughs) They let me labor for a few more hours, although the moment I stepped into the hospital, my heart just sank down. And I became scared when I was not scared at all at any point in my labor. I have a question. Is Mm -hmm. hospital a scary place for you in general? Yes. Do you have any kind of history of a hospital that sort of laid the foundation for it not being comfortable for you? You know, maybe I should work with a psychologist on this topic. I never have. When I was five or six years old, I did have a cast on my left foot. I don't remember what happened, but I remember I was in hospital for a long time, and they were giving me painful injections with giant needles, and I was screaming so loud that the whole hospital knew my name and tried to bring me candy to quiet me down, I would take the candy and I would still scream. Oh. Um, well, that seems yeah, like so it can lay an early foundation for not wanting to go back. Probably, probably. Well, I'm not I a psychologist. It so... just doesn't sound like you had a good first experience with hospitals. Yeah, I mean, I'm from Belarus. Yeah, hospitals are scary in Belarus. Hmm. Okay, so you're in the hospital um, and from the moment you walk in there, you start to feel fear. And are the midwives concerned about the pea soup-looking meconium? Um, they didn't really express a huge concern. I was already about six millimeters dilated when I was admitted to the hospital. So they let me labor for a few more hours, but they did give me epidural and pitocin and antibiotics and IV all right away. And I was just strapped to the bed. So I felt like maybe... I was in the worst condition that they were telling me. (laughs) Or maybe it was just a hospital protocol. That's what they do when you go there. So, I don't know, but they were coming to check on me, and the midwives were changing as well as the shifts were ending. So it was like two or three different ladies checking on me, plus my midwife was there with me too. And I think the baby was getting tired, and I was getting tired. And then all of a sudden they said that I had preeclampsia, which I never had any sign or indication of high blood pressure before I got to the hospital. Literally that morning before the midwife checked my blood pressure was always slow. And then things just started happening. My baby, his vitals started dropping. My vitals started dropping, I guess because I was scared. And they just came to the room and said, we'll do a C-section. And this is when literally I felt like my soul was leaving my body. My body was shaking. It was cold. My baby pretty much was died. I was dying. So, yeah, they just wheeled me to a surgery room and performed a C-section. And it was really hard to accept, but it was a huge lesson for me, too. What was uh, the lesson not, for you? That not everything is in my control. And maybe because... I was trying to avoid all these hospital things and procedures. 
maybe instead I was actually attracting them. But yeah, I got it all. <laughs> I was injected with so much medicine that I have never experienced in my life. And it was just the hardest feeling to accept that I was failing. I was failing as the mother in front of my partner's eyes because he was so believing in me for being capable to do this. And everything was just crumbling. My dream birth was crumbling right in front of my eyes. And I couldn't walk for 24 hours because I was full of magnesium sulfate with blown up legs, anesthesia. Uh, oh, now it's hard to talk about it. <laughs> it brings back hard memories. But definitely the biggest lesson was let it go. The birth is a process between you and your baby. You can't control everything. I mean, it, it sounds like you had the sort of the opposite birth that you were planning for and that you were confident in. And like you totally. said, you didn't even plan a hospital bag, uh, just so confident that you'd never have to leave the house. I wonder, though, like, what was the experience like when you were able to hear your baby and hold your baby? Was that part of it positive or were you just too far gone to really appreciate it in the moment? The nightmare continues. When they took my baby out of my womb, they didn't show him to me. Although I heard him cry, so I knew he was fine. And I, I sent my partner immediately right there in the surgery room to go and sing a song to him. Aww. We have a song, Angel Baby, that was sent to the baby pretty much through the whole pregnancy. And the baby calmed down and stopped crying. It was beautiful. But they just willed him to nick you right away. I never hold my baby right away. And now oh. I got the chance to bond. It was hard. And then they willed me to a recovery room where they monitored my blood pressure, which was skyrocketing. Although I felt very calm at that point because there was nothing else I could do. But my baby recovered really quick at NICU, so we had him probably after two days or so in my room. Did they take your baby to the NICU because there was a particular problem? Was there a respiratory issue? or? Uh, well, because they found some meconium perhaps in his lungs. So oh, just in the lungs. Case, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure what the medical term is. Aspiration, perhaps? Yes. Um. Yeah, so they were just keeping him there, although he was so strong and he was thriving. They gave him back to me after two days or so, just to be transferred to pediatrics to keep him there for a full week for a just-in-case course of antibiotics, which was horrible because I was so not in the right place emotionally and physically, and I was stuck in a hospital instead of going home to recover. Plus, I developed a complication, small bowel obstruction, right after the surgery, the C-section. And I had to go to the emergency room while being in pediatrics with my baby. And they just told me, oh, you're dehydrated. Here's some IV fluid. Go back. You're fine. But I could not eat. I could not drink. Even water would just come out. I would vomit it. So I had to go back to the emergency room, and finally they performed full scan, full body scan, and all kinds of investigation and testing, and they found out that my intestines got stuck together. <laughs> so wow. I was admitted to surgery department for 
a possible another surgery <laughs> to go back and untie my intestines, which was horrific <laughs> because for the first time in my life, I just had the surgery and now I can potentially have another surgery right away. No, no, thank you. So instead, I tried to do my best to move around and let them put a tube through my nose, down to my throat, all the way to my stomach, and just pump out all the liquid that was building up there. I got so skinny, so I never had problems losing weight after birth because the three days in that surgery department with no food, no water, <laughs> did it to me. But luckily, everything recovered on its own, and I could go home finally. So pretty much two weeks after birth, we're finally home, just to realize that we're totally not ready for postpartum. <laughs> I thought we could handle it because we were strong, and why not? We're just this one little human being. Uh, of course we can handle it. But after everything that happened to us, my partner had emotional crisis and PTSD after See my baby's vitals dropping. Literally, he would wake up every night and check our baby's breathing. And yeah, we did not plan to have any help except, I guess, his mom, which was as helpful as she could be, but not quite what we needed at the moment. So yeah, it was really hard, but somehow we made it. I mean, it sounds like it was very challenging for you both uh, physically and emotionally. Yeah, you know, it, the it birth and all the complications postpartum and then the recovery. I mean, it's hard enough to have the birth exactly how you want it, whatever the plan was, and then transition into parenthood with all these complications and emotions swirling. It must have been really, really challenging for you. Yeah, I honestly cannot believe it happened. It was a huge slap in my face. <laughs> Well, um, now you're pregnant was, again, just, yeah, <laughs> and you're due pretty soon. But we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we'll find out what your plans are for this birth. We'll be right back with Anastasia Rule. <laughs> hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell. Perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Anastasia Rule. She is now pregnant again. And do very soon. Uh, let's talk about this. How has your second pregnancy been? From the start, it was a very conscious conception. And literally, I knew right away that I conceived. Honestly, it was amazing from the first second of conception because 
again, I literally walked in oxytocin cloud, and it was so palpable, even stronger than the first time. The first trimester, again, was a little bit sleepy, tiring, but no vomiting, no toxicosis or anything like that. And then second trimester just flew by. I guess I traveled to Belarus for about a month. Plus, I have a toddler now, so this pregnancy is going by so quick that my only regret is that I just wanted to slow down so I can be more present in the moment and enjoy it. But it's been amazing as well. Also, very healthy. No challenges except maybe a little bit of a pelvic pain that is resolved now, thanks to you, Dr. Billy. Happy to help. Um, yeah. How many weeks are you now? I think I'm 34 weeks now. So you're getting pretty close. As you're getting closer, you know, you've had one birth, a cesarean birth. And so your options really boil down to a repeat cesarean or a trial of labor after cesarean, hoping for a vaginal birth after cesarean. What is your plan? My plan is be back. And even though I'm very positive and somewhat confident about the success of the second birth, now I have plan B. I think I'm more content about going to the hospital if I have to. But so far, everything looks good. And the plan is home birth, vaginal delivery after season. I have a really good team this time, a lot of support. I have my village now. Who's in your village? I have an amazing midwife. She just came into my life right on time when it happened. And we kind of clicked immediately. And we felt so strongly that she's the right choice for this birth. So I have Alex Evangelidi, if I think his last name right. Yeah. I have Alex. I have an amazing birth doula, my friend from Moldova, Irina. And I have a different doula for postpartum. She is from Russia, and her name is Alesha Matveva. And I have my cousin, my maiden cousin, to watch my baby at birth. And, of course, I have my partner, who is up to this day supportive of me to try again. And we have our own place now, so hopefully it will be nice and quiet and relaxing and calm. Oh, and I have Alicia as my nursing therapist this time. So you have a lot more of a team going into this one. Yes. And are you going to pack a bag this time just in case? I think I will just to be at peace with that. Hopefully yeah. I never use it. How important is it to you to give birth at home and to give birth vaginally? And how open are you to changes in the plan if they come up? If you need to go to the hospital or if you would need to have another cesarean, how prepared are you for that? A home birth is important to me for many reasons, but not for my own pride, but mostly for spiritual reasons, because I truly believe that a baby who is born at home, surrounded by family and friends who give you love right away, who surround you with care and warmth, is a happy baby. He comes out and he immediately feels being loved. When in a hospital, it's stressful. The lights are bright, the strangers 
don't quite care about you the same way. So I would love to give my baby that start in this world. And of course, this time I'm a little bit more flexible. So if things don't go according to this plan, I'll be more content going to the hospital. And if I have to have another C-section, then okay, that's part of the plan, then it is a plan. Are you doing anything different to prepare your mind and body for birth this time? I mean, it sounds like already very different the way you described it, not having an environment where you felt safe or that was your home or that was your birthplace. That seems to have changed. Now you do have a home that feels more like your birthplace to you. Before you were kind of on your own with your partner and sort of hoping for your mother-in-law to skip town and you had a midwife, but now you have a team of people supporting you in mind and body. Have you done anything else to prepare for this birth? Yes, I'm continuing doing a lot of healing spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically throughout this pregnancy. Well, first of all, I'm going to you <laughs> quite regularly, and I'm trying to do belly dancing, not maybe quite daily as recommended, but I'm very aware of my tight muscles that need to be more relaxed. And I also had a few interesting ceremonies with my friends, my village friends. I did a 120-day celebration for my baby's soul to enter the body. That felt very powerful. And because we have our place now, I do feel a lot more in charge, a lot more powerful and grounded. I feel like I have the support I need, and it nurtures me. (laughs) It gives me the strength. First of all, I am honored to work with you, and you do. You kind of have an athletic sort of muscle tone where the muscles are very strong but also fairly tight and that creates a rigid environment that we've been working on loosening up and all the other things that you're doing sound really great i love also that you are flexible and have more of an open mind and will be more prepared if you need to go down your flow chart that is your birth plan if you need to go to a hospital or have interventions that hopefully should that happen hopefully it won't but it should that happen that it won't be as crushing of a emotional blow to you as it was last time when none of that was on your radar thank you thank you so much for saying that it means a lot to me Well, I love working with you and I'm excited for your upcoming birth. I hope that you'll come back. I'm really grateful to you for sharing your story. It's a difficult story for you to tell, but you know, I know why you do it. Why most people do it is because you want to help other people hear different experiences and be more informed when they make their own plans. But I hope you'll come back very soon and share the great news of the arrival of your second baby and the story of how things went. Ah, yeah, I hope so. Well, I'll definitely come back to finish the story. Appreciate that. I hope people can listen to it and not feel alone if someone had a similar experience. And there's always the light at the end of the tunnel. That's really, really kind of you. All right, Anastasia, next time we talk to you, you will be juggling two babies on the afterbirth episode. At home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you like our program, share us with your friends, leave us some feedback in your podcast app, or connect with us on Instagram at Dr. Berlin. That's D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N. 
This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. <laughs>